wonderful, wonderful morning this is. And unless my watch is incorrect, we're counting down to lunch. Man, we're closer than we usually are on Sunday morning. So you better really get in earnest and get to praying right now. Oh, God, help him to hurry. God, help him to hurry. God, help him to hurry. Praise God. Maybe hurry's not what we need. Just be quick. Don't hurry. Just be quick. Praise God. That was a beautiful musical number rendered by the music department. Part of the words to that song says, Many things about the future are many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds the future. And I know He holds my hand. Boy, that takes all the fear out of it, doesn't it? You might not understand, but when you know the one who is in charge, who holds all things in His own power, is holding to your hand, it makes a world of difference. And great relief. Thank God. Thank God for relief. Praise the Lord. This is a great book. If you don't read it, I recommend that you begin. You can read in it. There's actually a collection of 66 separate volumes in this one book. There are two divisions to the volumes, which cover a vast uh, expanse of time. Some things seem quite dated, quite ancient. Other things seem like they still work in the present and are very up to date. But not, if I could use the original language of the King James... Not one jot or one tittle shall ever fail, though heaven and earth shall pass away. The Word is established forever. Forever. Thank God. It's amazing to me that you can pick up the Bible and read from one of the epistles or one of the Gospels, and it's so true to this moment. Or you can read the books of the Old Testament and discover that some of the things that are current as news items in our day were predicted all the way back there. And it's just right on target. Praise God. This morning I've chosen to share with you from the first epistle of Peter, Peter was the apostle whose name was actually Cephas, which meant the stone. And in contrasting languages, he became known as Peter because that meant Petra or the rock. And sometimes he was quite a sturdy and uh, strengthening figure in the circle of disciples or the New Testament lineages. But other times, the rock, the stone, the sure foundation was shifting sand. He would get all discouraged and 
Say, I'm going fishing. I give it all up. But in the life and the times of the Apostle Peter, we learned that it doesn't matter where you run, you can't get away from God. You may be here today and you may feel like just cashing it all in. I'm just, I'm giving up. I'm through. I quit. If the devil wants it, he can have it. Has any of you ever felt like that? I've got my end up. I have. I'm not embarrassed, ashamed, nor afraid to admit it. I've pulled out of this parking lot a few times and said, it's reached the point that I don't think the devil will take it, but if he wants it, he can have it. And I'm not talking about any of you individually. I'm talking about the world, the need, the obligations, everything. Praise God. You know what you need to do right now? You need to smile and look at somebody, and if they're not smiling, say, lighten up, come on. Get a grip. Amen. It's an amazing thing when we think everything's about us. Frankly, you're not quite that important. Now, just honestly, you're not that big of a mover and shaker that everything that happens in the world is out to get you. Or everything that's preached at church is directed at you. He just preached that at me. Well, live right. You know, it's just, everything's not targeted. Everything is not directed to try to subdue or hew down or break in pieces or throw over. And, you know, just quite honestly, hmm, watch it now. Some of you are growing up and getting all puckered. It's not about you. It's about Him. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And this final chapter of the first epistle of Peter, that would be chapter 5. You're to blame for this. You was over there in the second book of Peter for the last several weeks. I've got this good habit or bad habit, or at least it's habitual to me, that when a preacher announces his text and I go there, I still do it. This is my computer. It doesn't go like that. It goes like this. And, and I still read the hard copy. Did you know, believe it or not, you may find this hard to believe. I saw just a few days ago that printed books are on the rise again. That computers have run their phase and people are no longer happy and even children are starting to ask their parents, would you get me a real book so I can hold it in my hand, so I can take it to bed and read it at night? Hey, I want to tell you something. The story may be the same, whether it's on your phone or your iPad or your computer or in a hard copy. But, buddy, you don't know what you're missing when you've never opened the windows on a uh, summer night that cooled down and was breezy, and you started reading the book, the hard copy, and the wind blew through the room, and 
and the moon would come in across the, the sky and before long you were there. You were doing. Man, Zane Gray and me, we've rode the range together. Louis Lamar, man, same range, just a different state. Praise God. Well, the second or the fifth chapter of First Peter is where I want you to go with me today. Now, while you're finding that, and I was saying, my habit is, when you announce your text, I back up and read what's behind it. And then I go forward and read what's in front of it. Because mistakenly, a lot of times we preach what we think is the moment. We take a text, we take a passage, we preach what we think is the moment. When in fact, it's just lines in an ongoing situation. And in order to have it, we need to know what predicated that. What caused him to say that. What created the need that he had to write to the Corinthians and say to them? Or what caused him to say, Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Turns you to a gospel. That's another gospel. That's really not even a gospel. And you're so soon removed from the thing that brought you out, that redeems you, that changed you. Hey, it doesn't matter how far you run, you can't hide from God. Hallelujah. So whether it's the Apostle Paul writing to Corinth or Galatia or whether it's to Timothy, his son, or Titus, his fellow worker, or, or whatever. John the Revelator on the aisle saying the things that he sees and feels and senses. This book never gets outdated. If you're not a reader, you need to get it. You need to start reading it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm amazed, frankly, that there are some passages that are dedicated passages to children. It's about children. It's about pursuing the interests of the child, keeping the child, training the child, protecting the child, bearing with the child in their learning process, not demanding more out of them because they're a child than they're able to give because... When they're children, they think one way, and when they grow up to be men or women, they think another way, and they put away that childish inspiration. Boy, do you ever find yourself wishing you could just be a little girl or a little boy again? I once told my mom and dad we were headed somewhere, and they said, when you grow up, do you know what you want to do? I said, yes. I couldn't have been more than 10 or 12 at most. They said, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I just want to stay home and play and play and play and play. Do you ever find yourself wishing for simpler times when life was fun? Oh, if I ever felt the anointing, I feel it right now. And I've felt it over and over so I know it. Life can reach the place that it isn't fun. Life can reach the place that it gets burdened and it gets heavy and it loads you down. But I know one. 
I can introduce you to one out of the pages of this book that's closer than any brother. He'll never leave you. He can't forsake. Is he a God that he can lie? No. Every word he says is true. Some passages are about children and by the same token, on and on. They cover the gamut. The one I'm reading from today is about leadership. Primarily preachers. Leaders in the ministry. And Pastor Sharon, uh, it's not really about me. And it's not really about you, Brother Steph. It's not targeted to you. But I want to ask you something. Why should I preach Acts 2.38 all the time and try to baptize everybody that's dry, try to pray through everybody that's never talked in tongues, make sure that every service I get in the reality of the need for salvation. And it's very important. In fact, one place it says there isn't any salvation anywhere else because None other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved other than the proper context of Bible salvation. Thank God for salvation. But man, there's a chapter here in First Peter that's addressed to me. There's a chapter here that'll help me. There's a chapter in this Bible that I'm trying to get you to read and study and look into that'll make a difference in me. Why would I constantly and continually ignore a passage that'll be life-changing? That'll be mind-provoking. That'll be spirit-subduing. That will make all the difference in the world in how I feel, in how I think, in how I treat others. I'll tell you what our world needs. It needs a good attitude adjustment. This world needs to learn to think differently and react differently and speak differently and conduct itself differently. I don't remember exactly where it was, just the event. Sister Sharon, when we were in a place a few days ago and someone started talking to us and it was obvious by their manner, by their attitude, by their choice of words that they wanted to shift from speaking in languages that old people like us could understand into some nasty dialect of the hood. It had nothing to do with race. Now wait, before you try to play that card on me, stop and think. We've got a black daughter-in-law that's a doctor. I, we have a daughter with mixed children. Don't play that race card on me. This world is not about race problems and race needs. It's about people who try to use their ethnicity, 
their secularism or their plain old redneck ignorance as an excuse to keep from changing. I want to tell you, if there's anything you ought to want to do, it ought to be you want to change from being like this world. You should not sit in here today, and if you're a young person, middle-aged or elderly, you should not be intimidated by any thought that you can look around and say, Hey, I'm not like this world. I'm not trying to be like this generation. I've made a choice to change. I've been changed by the precious blood of Jesus. What I used to be, I'm not. What I want to be, I'm striving for. But I'm not like this world. This world's in trouble, but my God's not in trouble. Praise the Lord. So if you'll pardon the selfishness of me choosing this chapter to share with you in a speedily fashion, watch what it says. The elders, uh, I qualify for that on several different fronts. The elders, which are among you, I exhort. This chapter is an exhortation addressed to older believers. And then it says, Who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings to elders who are fellow laborers, Not gender specific now, watch. But who are also acquainted with and a witness of the sufferings and the happenings that go on in the body of Christ. Oh boy, I'm getting ready to dance a fine line here. God help me. I need to outsmart y'all right now. So I can say what I want to say and you like it and you don't realize fully what I'm saying. You get it, but not fully. You know, sometimes you don't want to get it all, but you you want to get it. He said, I'm addressing this to people who are experienced. People who have some seniority. People who have walked the walk and talked talk, and live the life for a while. Now, we all have different stories in that area. There's some in here would say, I come to Jesus in 1945, and I wasn't even born in 1945. Or somebody would say, I got the Holy Ghost in 1953, and I'd jump up and say, Hallelujah, Amen, so did I. And My wife wasn't even born when I got the Holy Ghost. Man, that in and of itself says I ought to be patient with her. I ought to be tolerant. I ought to be kind. Long-suffering. Gentle to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. Wow! You know, we forget. Because we take our own experiences, we take our own backgrounds, our own understandings, and try to make everybody measure to our line. It just doesn't work like that. 
Two people can get the Holy Ghost at the same altar on the same night, and life itself is going to make two different creatures out of them. We just need to be thankful we're in this. I thank God that I've got a chapter written to me here. And, and to the elders, to those which are among you, I exhort, which have experiences, which have suffered the ministries and the opportunities. But now, here's what I'm wanting to say to you that I'm sneaking up on. Did... Did you ever get acquainted with anybody, any elder, any minister or leader or old person in a church that, man, they'd just been at it so long and they know so much about it and they're so flamboyantly positive about how much they know that you just can't stand them. Did I say that, Tack? Did that have cooth in it? No, I didn't say there no at all. Now, you got the picture. You and me now. Y'all don't don't get in a private conversation. You got the picture. But did I say it tactfully enough where you think they got it? Without you think there's any chance? Do you realize that something you absolutely love as a delicacy will strangle a baby to death? Y'all are staring at me like a cow watching a new block of salt, and frankly, I don't give a flip. Because I know I'm telling the truth. Now, you know, a little baby, man, they'll cry. They'll wake you up in the middle of the night. They'll pitch a fit. They don't care how tired you are. They don't care how difficult your day's been. They'll just cry and, and, and flip around and, and try to get out of the covers and, and you're trying to keep them swaddled up, bundled up so that they don't get cold and everything you try to do to them, they reject and you try to feed them and all they want to do is poop and burp. Just poop and burp, poop and burp. And, and you gotta bathe them. And did you ever try to bathe your baby and they'd decide to poop and burp right while you had them in the bath water? Oh no, your kids are perfect. I see how you're acting. But I've been there. You know what? I throwed the bath water away. But I kept the baby. No, y'all didn't get that. I gotta tell you that again. They're inconvenient. They're rascaline. They want their own way. They don't care what you think. They don't have any experience. But buddy, they can beller. They can squeal and cry like you, like it's all your fault. You did this to me. And then when you try to Fix them and give them a good bath and put clean pajamas on them and put them in bed and snuggle up to them and keep them warm. Poop and burp, poop and burp. I mean, it's a process. Life's a process. Now, I want to tell you something now. All y'all are going to do when you go out of here and, and you're talking about this, all you're going to remember is the 
bathwater part. But I want to tell you something. In life, there's a whole lot more downs than there are ups. And a lot of people are looking for a life that's all mountaintops. People get discouraged with the church because we're not shouting all the time. People get discouraged with Sunday mornings because pastor lets people like this do things like this. But I don't tell you something, folks. When you get past your trials, when you get past your valleys, when you get past your moments of discouragement and disappointment, and you get them in your rearview mirror where they're no longer more than a fleeting memory, those times will always teach you and train you more abundantly than that Sunday night when you jumped and felt goosebumps and run the aisle. That goosebump night will be forgotten in only a few days. And all you'll say is, do you remember that time we threw that? Do you remember that time we was throwing coats in the air and somebody got a coat caught on the fan? There's a few folks in here remembers that. Most of you don't. But if I start saying, do you ever remember a time when you prayed a prayer that you felt like in your heart, if God don't answer this one, I don't have another prayer left in my soul to pray. If God don't bring me through now, I'll never get over. Oh, God, hey, and right in the nick of time when it seemed like everything was coming apart, everything's failing, all four walls are kicking out at once, who was there? Hey, that doorbell was not Avon. It wasn't Avon calling. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line. But he was there all Aren't you glad you have a God like that? Now, I'm reading between the lines, and I admit that I am, and you're welcome to call me on it. But somehow I get the influence out of this first verse that it's saying, you old-timers, thank God for your experiences. But don't demand everybody to do everything the same way you did it. Just because you're experienced and just because you labor in the Lord and you've had, just because you paid 25 cents to park an hour downtown on the square, don't try to demand that everybody else spend a quarter to park in your parking spot. Oh no, you've labored in the Lord, you've suffered in the Lord, you, you, you've had your persecutions, but what we ought to use our trials and our persecutions for are stepping stones for somebody else to miss going through the same abyss of disappointment that we faced. Hey, that's the importance of a testimony. Not so you can stand up and talk about yourself. It amazes me how much this testimony stuff is about us. Come on, How sick I've been. How miserable I've been. How mistreated I've been. How nobody loves me, everybody hates me. Think I'll go eat worms. No, that's not when you need to testify 
about what you're going through. You need to wait until it's in the rearview mirror and you say, Hey, while back I was struggling, but I had enough experience in this thing to know God was never going to fail me. God was never going to leave me. I knew He was never going to step back and step away permanently. I felt like I was alone. I felt like I was on my own. But in the invisible uh, regions and resources of my trial, I could feel the hand of God at work in my life. And now I stand to tell you that there's victory in Jesus, our Savior, forever. See, whatever we suffer, whatever trial we go through, we need to stop making it about us. Frankly, you're not that important. Stop making it about you and make it about God's opportunity to teach me how to be an overcomer. God's opportunity to give me strength. God's opportunity to help me to know that He's able. When I'm not able, He's able. When I'm weak, He's still strong. When I have no ability, He still is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I ask or think. Do you understand that's how elders are supposed to think. Man. Oh, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. No, I'm not. I'm not telling the truth. I'm not done, but I mean, time's done. Stand with me. I was planning on getting this whole chapter. I was planning on finishing this whole chapter. Let me just tell you this while the singers are coming. The kicker for this morning is, if you want to know the overall attitude, concept, and mind that God's looking for in the elders the people with experience, the people that are steadfast, that are unmovable, that's going to stick. Verse 2 says, feed the flock. This morning is not even about me coming here and getting something for me that'll cause me to be blessed enough that I can survive this afternoon and maybe get back tonight. And just in case I don't get back tonight, I can live for God till Wednesday when I come back to get the next part of that series. To some people, that's all church is about. It's a band-aid for their spiritual sore. I've got to get to church so that I can get a fresh piece of gauze and some fresh tape over where I'm injured in my spirit. I got news for you. If that's what church is to you, it's never going to advance beyond anything other than either an ER, spiritual ER, or a spiritual urgent care center. I'll tell you all this is to me is a chance to come in and see you a chance to praise Him. A chance to reaffirm that I'm part of an element or a group that's, that's uh, networked and downlined into this community. 
But hey, I'll tell you why I'm here today. It's not to get something that will bless me. But it's so something will happen in my spirit. Something will happen in my heart and mind that will give me the seed sown in my life to feed the needy, to reach the hungry, to change the hurting, to help the fallen, to lift those that are weighted down. Hey, it's not about me, frankly, honestly, not rudely, frankly. I'm not that important, but it's about those who won't make it without Him, who won't find their way without somebody like you and I leaving the 90 and 9 and searching till we find them and taking them on our back, accepting responsibility and saying, I can take you to a place where your life will be changed, where you'll never be like you were before. Does that sound good to anybody? That's what I want to be. I want to be somebody that's helping Somebody that's serving. Somebody that's ministering. Somebody that's reaching beyond myself. If you're interested in that, come down right now. Come down right now and say, Lord, I give myself away. My experiences, thank you for them. But they're simply to get me where I can go on to feeding the flock. Sharing the good. Helping the needy. Reaching the lost. I want to be a part of what this church calls evangelism. As they sing, come on, come on. Make me a part of the team, God. I want to be a part of the team. Not because anybody's forcing me. Not because anyone's demanding me. But because I want to be your servant. I want to be your child. I want to be on your team. I'm willing to be you.
Commitment 
to the Lord right now. God, here I am. I see clearly through the illumination of your word that's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God, that this isn't about me. That it's not about me today. That this Sunday sermon wasn't simply to help me. But it was to help me to understand that others need help. And that I must be a light and a beacon through your word today to help their tomorrow. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. 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 Thank you, Lord. I'm thankful today for the word of the Lord that has opened our understanding I'm guilty of coming some Sundays as quite possibly you where I say I gotta get something today has anybody ever came on a Sunday and said I gotta get something today but today I was reminded that what he wants us to do is when we get something get it not just for ourselves but to understand there are others that need to know the way that we go and that he is with us and for us and I'm thankful for the word of the Lord from the man of God today that has inspired me to take this truth to someone else and share my life is not my own. To you, I mean, I give myself. Thank you, Bishop, for encouraging me. Thank you for those of you that have responded and are still doing so. If you're praying, continue to pray. We want to see everybody here at 5 o'clock tonight. We're going to have a great time in the Holy Ghost. Uh, that, that sets the, the stage for our service at 5.30. And we're going to believe the Lord for a great time. We got right at 2800 in the offering. There's others that have uh, said they're going to give. And so we're going to get what we need because that's just how God is. I think we ought to thank God. I, I, thank, I thank God right now, Lord, for, for providing for providing that which we need. You always do. And it's not just so we can say we have the need supplied. It's so that we can give of ourselves. Give of ourselves. Where our treasure is there will our heart be also. Help us to invest. Help us to invest. My heart's been stirred to invest on so many levels today. And I'm sure that yours has as well. And so take that... Uh, that little card that you received from the Sunday school and pray and believe. Pray and believe. We're going to see the Sunday school flourish. Take that investment that you've made in the kingdom today through your gift of finance and know that God's going to bless it. We're going to see His kingdom prospered. And take what you've given here at these altars and know that what you got from Him you're supposed to give to somebody else. Give yourself away today. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. I need to meet with the ladies real quick. You can just do it right here. This little center section right here is fine. Thank you.